what I did was I went on to TechMeme a few minutes before we started recording, and I looked at the top couple news stories uh, on the 1st and the 15th of the month. So I figured I could get, like, whatever the biggest story was at the beginning, in the middle, and then kind of scroll down to see the long tail, because usually there'll be, like, a big story and then a bunch of follow-ons. So that that was my process. Okay. Um, and I should disclose at the top, I... This process is not very scientific, and I missed a bunch of things in it that probably would be considered the biggest stories of the year, which to me were – what I will not bring up are the meme stock, uh, AMC, GameStop, that whole thing which happened this year. And if you even remember that that was a thing at the beginning of the year, um, I didn't get the Capitol riot um, or Facebook's non-role role in, in the organizing of that. Um, AT&T spinning off Warner Media and merging it with Discovery. And then uh, Facebook's name change to Meta were all mm. things that I just remembered having happened this year, but did not pick up in the tech meme. Okay. Uh, so, so do you want me to go through the list and we can just riff on whatever, whatever I come up with? Yeah, this is great. I mean, wow, this is the most productive 15 minutes. Yeah. Right. Well, I'll tell you what I was not doing. Uh, the thing that I get paid for. <laughs> um, okay. So... <laughs> So um, the thing that uh, – so it's, uh, first of the year, biggest story, uh, CyberHack uh, sources investigators are checking if SolarWinds was hacked via its offices in Czechia, Poland, and Belarus where the company moved much of its engineering. So basically there was this giant hack. Do you remember this, the SolarWinds hack? Maybe, Katie, you do because that might have – I do remember this. It's yeah. amazing. Um, yeah. But if you would ask me what year it happened in, I don't know that I would have said this year. Yeah, I Maybe think it was a long time ago. It was ago. so long ago. Right. It was a huge hack, though. And I think Microsoft was, like, compromised as yes. part of it. Yes. Um, I think Russia was obviously involved. And so there was, like, a lot of hard talk between the incoming Biden administration and Russia. Uh, anyway, no one really remembers it now. But that was the biggest story. <laughs> In January. In January. Well, one one of the reasons it was a big deal is because SolarWinds was a subcontractor, basically, to big tech companies. So by hacking SolarWinds, it was like the hackers were able to get into lots of different companies. And it reminded the federal government and a lot of other people that we should be paying attention, not just to Microsoft and Google, but all of the companies that they use to keep our data secure, especially when the clients are people like federal government agencies. Right. Who are, who were hacked by a solar ones. Right. And it's what I feel like we've reached a point where there are so many things to be worried about when it comes to the safety of our shit that I don't feel like major hacks get a ton of play anymore. Yeah, because they happen so often and sort of like, oh, what's the big deal? But the thing is, is that, I mean, yes, they happen all the time. And I can totally understand why people are having a hard time, like, getting getting interested in yet another hack. But what they show is that big tech companies are now part of the national security apparatus. So if you think about our national vulnerabilities, yes, a vulnerability, like, yes, flying a plane into a large building is still a vulnerability that we're working hard to make sure never happens again. And yes, other sorts of attacks are vulnerabilities that we want to never happen here. Attacks on the subway, et cetera, things we've seen in other countries. But hacks of major corporations and of our critical infrastructure, our banking system are now also national security issues, but they're so sprawling, like the threat to surface is so huge. It's literally every person who uses the internet, who works right. for a major corporation, that there's no way the government can plug the risk in the way they can with, say, 
planes flying into a big building. And so now it is literally up to corporate America to take care of our national security. Okay, so January 5th, I don't know why this one caught my eye, but Cameo hired like 10 different executives uh, to work there. Cameo, huge pandemic winner, uh, was raising, you know, hundreds of millions this year, I think. Um, Anyway, uh, that was a thing. Right, so it's like Cameo, Clubhouse. Right, well, I'll get to Clubhouse because that's funny. So February 1st, Robinhood raises $2.4 billion from shareholders just have to raise. So Robinhood raises a shitload of money. They're obviously one of the big stories this year as we move into the meme stocks thing. Uh, and, and they also go public uh, later in the year. So that was a big thing in the beginning of February. Uh, so yeah, so a headline from Ben Thompson uh, in Stratechery. Clubhouse, which centralizes creation and consumption into a feedback loop, will do for audio what Twitter, stories, and TikTok did for text, images, and video. Uh, yeah, sorry, Ben. Uh, <laughs> didn't happen i i do like i mean that already it's like clubhouse is the story for the year i want to dig into that i mean because it is quite it has sort of the it's not quite a meme stock but there were a lot of influencers sort of rushing on there thinking oh i can sort of have a land grab we had sort of andreessen horowitz trying to make it happen it right it fit with the pandemic in that we were, we were all excited about it because we were bored at home and we totally forgotten what real life joy was like. And so we were happy to have sort of this simulacrum of it with these weird, weird audio chat rooms. Um, I, I do think Clubhouse is a pretty, I mean, was it all time in the pandemic? I mean, was it mostly this year, like the, the, the rise of Clubhouse? It launched before. Well, I, I think it was in, yeah, I think it was basically sort of this winter, like, just before the springtime. Right. When people started talking about the fact that Clubhouse wasn't going to make it because the minute we could get out of our homes and do something else, we would. And so you saw people being like, that's ridiculous. Like, this is the most compelling audio. But then by April, <laughs> it was sort of <clears throat> less exciting to be on Clubhouse. I, I I think I deleted the app. So this was the fall of Clubhouse. The rise of Clubhouse was 2020. Exactly. I. I think it, it it's a very it's, it was the omicron of trends. Like I think it it rose and crashed fairly soon after. Uh, right. You know, like it, it, I remember when things were getting real hot was like when um, what's his name, Shriram, and his wife were hosting uh, a weekly room in the evenings, and that was when Zuck showed up, and I think maybe right. Elon showed up. And when was that? Uh, I want to say beginning of this year or something. I'm looking at the Elon Musk one. Right. So he would show up and remember there was a little fight from the journalists that were like, oh, Mark Andreessen bans us. Elon Musk bus clubhouse limit fan stream to YouTube was February 2021. This is a this year story. Yeah. Right. Winter of this year, we were going ballistic over this. We, we saw it peak like in February, March. Yeah. But basically by May, when people were back, starting to get vaccinated and they were let out of their homes, People had stopped using it. And then by June, remember the month, June, when the pandemic ended and we right. were all happy? <laughs> Nobody right. was on Clubhouse in June. And that was kind of the end. Club, Clubhouse, this was the year of Clubhouse. Uh, that's the most compelling so far. All right, keep going. Yeah, we can okay. come back to that. Sure. Uh, eh, the story about Lime raising money, I'm going to skip that What's one. What's Lime? Scooter company. <laughs> the Scooter. Oh. Sco- scooter, yeah. I mean, it's hard. It's not a good story of the year because it feels very like, pandemic asterisk like they were falling but then right 
Who knows? It's, it's fine. They're still around, which is more than I think a lot of people were expecting. I took one yesterday. <laughs> um, this is now getting into March. Every Apple store in the U.S. is open for the first time since March 2020, Yay! with many starting to offer in-store shopping. Great. After, well, yeah. Okay. Uh, March. Yeah. Uh, Stripe raises $600 million from Sequoia and others at a valuation of $95 billion, becoming the most valuable private company in Silicon Valley. Uh, Stripe is going to go public, what, next year? Eric, that's the plan. I every, I mean, it's one of these companies people always say next year, but I, I do think that's likely. I mean, Chris Saka told me in an interview he was getting offers on secondary for like $200 billion. I mean, I think the story, you could say that it 2021 was not the year of Stripe because that's what Stripe wanted. I mean, they get some news coverage with like fast grants. They're doing more charity stuff, but in some... De- to some degree, I think Stripe is an enormous co- company. Stripe is an enormous company for how little it gets covered. Like, I mean, I would hope- Right. Well, that's because think about what they do. I mean, that is not right. a compelling. It's a compelling company and that it makes a lot of money, but in terms of finding a narrative. Right. I mean, I'm one of the people who should be writing about it more. I think it's a big company, but it is sort of like, what's what's the exciting story to write about? Stripe. Sky's the limit on valuation. They're disrupting VC. They've got celebrity, you know, CEOs. Right. They do? Oh, that's right. Those those guys are really nice. Are they celebrities? I like them. As far as anyone, you know, I mean, they're, they're, you know, they're charming Irish brothers. They are. Yeah. They very much are. Lovely. Yeah. There was a mini, there was a mini Stripe. It's funny that the Stripe takedown occurred. I think I'm just like hacker news. Someone complaining was that there they one? got I didn't know there was one. They got offered a job basically by a recruiter and then it got rescinded and their accusations that Stripe handled sort of, you know, had poor treatment of recruiters. Some some outlet like I think it might have been Protocol stood up some of the accusations and one of the Collisons went on Hacker News to respond. But to I just think it's an interesting case study because it's almost engineers have such strong opinions and like true hardcore Silicon Valley people. What was the what was the takedown? What happened to them? Yeah, I missed that. That they don't treat recruiters very well. Well, this guy said he got recruited by Stripe and then they didn't give him the job. Like he was sort of ghosted and it was just a poor experience. And then in the comments section of that Hacker News post, there were accusations that Stripe also like said they were going to acquire companies and then didn't. And it was just generally an argument that Stripe has this very glowing reputation, but actually the founders are sort of ruthless. That that was, but I, I don't know the truth of it, but it was an interesting, just like Stripe is a YC company and then Hacker News, which is owned by YC, was sort of the most aggressive anti-Stripe uh, community. I've huh. never heard of anybody running an enormous company and making it successful who wasn't to some degree ruthless. Like which of the C like, <laughs> right. Anyway. Yeah. It's also, they're like a giant backbone payment infrastructure provider for the internet. Like you got to be kind of ruthless, you know, it's anyway. Okay. Right. Amazon April 1st says it expects some employees are coming back to the office as early as this summer. And most of its staff will be back in the office this fall. Very funny. There should be some analysis of the quality of management just based on how wrong their predictions of return to the office were like some of these companies the fact that they're like telling people they're going to return to the office when anyone looking at it would know they're not coming back on the dates they were setting like 
it's just like the b- best proof point of who's like a totally incompetent manager. I mean, April 1st, they were rolling out the vaxes at large. Uh, you know, it was, uh, you know, this is Amazon. No, I'm not, I'm not saying specific to Amazon. I'm yeah. more just saying like all these, all these places that were like, oh yeah, we're definitely going to be back on X date. And then it would get so close and then they'd wait like a week away and they'd be like, yeah, we're not, we're not right. coming back then. It's like, what, what, how do you make all your other decisions? I will say it felt very strange as a reporter reporting on it because, you know, you want to make everything about like, oh, here's what the big company is making its employees do. And really like they're, we're all subject, we're, all, we're reading the same news. We're subject to the same whims of the virus as anyone else. So it, they, they were strange stories to write generally because there would always be tons of grumbling like i wrote a lot about uber and their and their back to office plans and it was like oh well, why is uber forcing people to go back 3 days a week and they had to change it to to be more flexible and in the end all of it's just been thrown up in the air right um but it does seem like anyone that i mean you know god god willing this thing does wind down i don't know if the like extremists on coming back to the office will ever win i i really think it's it's a it's a lost battle um April 15th, U.S. sanctions Russia for 2020 election interference uh, and the solar winds hack. Uh, blacklisting te- tech companies. Uh, okay. We talked about that. Um, okay. For some reason, I jumped all the way to June 1st. Just as an aside, I feel like you yeah. could do this whole thing and you it could have been 2020 and I would have no, I would be like, be, oh, okay, that was this year. <laughs> I have no sense of time. I just yeah. wrote a bunch of holiday cards. <laughs> you could just like, we could do the whole episode. It's like, oh shit, I was, this was 20, 2019. I'm like, oh wow, okay, sure. I, I just right. had to throw away all these holiday cards I wrote saying, here's to a great 2021. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh my it's God. like, first of all, 2021 was bullshit garbage. <laughs> Second of all, like, it happened, bitch. I know. So I had to throw all of them away. <laughs> it was just totally forgotten. Yeah, I know. I, I think we will look back at 2021 as a completely forgotten year. <laughs> like, Thank whatever God. 2022. Well, yeah, because it, you know, like the, the slight bit of hope. Oh, all the memories we made in 2021 that were so good. Yeah. Well, there was that month, remember? Well, at least 2020 was unique, right? It was like the early. Yeah. I hope everyone had a good June. Yeah. I was, I, that was when I had my vacation. I could see oh, like yeah. the wave slowly, you know, in the distance, in the horizon, like making its way towards my life. But for that moment, it was fine. Uh, I jumped to June for some reason when I did this. I think a lot of the world skipped over the spring, went right to June. Yeah, I don't even We we were getting the vax. Um, uh, Antonio Garcia Martinez said he did, quote, not part ways with Apple, was fired in a snap decision. An Apple statement on his exit is defamatory and false. Uh, you guys remember that whole thing? Yeah, we'll, no, we'll cancel culture. That's another, no. yeah. Oh yeah. my God, cancel culture. Another thing yeah. that right. felt like, much like Clubhouse, it felt like it was going to be the biggest thing. And now it's like, who gives a fuck? That gets us back. Clubhouse, woke wokeness and Clubhouse are very interrelated. Like both why reporters don't like it and why people don't go it. Sure. Remember yeah. there was, we need, to, we need to moderate Clubhouse and Taylor Lorenz like got all the Andreessen partners pissed at her because she... Mis- misquoted Ben Horowitz. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Oh, Lord. Yeah. That was like the worst. Truly. I'm sorry. I just like, when I think about the things that are destroying, I just like, oh, can't, I'm like, ugh. I'm just glad that we don't hear a lot about Clubhouse cancel culture and the Taylor Lorenz Andreessen feud anymore. And like, frankly, if you told me those things happened in 20, 20- 20? I would have been like, sure. 2019? Whatever. Yeah. It was a long time ago. 
Yeah, this this one definitely feels like a million years ago. And uh, I thought, just to editorialize for a second here, really stupid move by Apple. Like, like this was people complaining about a line that he had written in a book like six years ago oh, yeah. or yeah, something. What? That people liked and wrote positively about. I mean, I know some of the reviews mentioned the sexism. but Wait, was he being accused of being sexist himself or just being dutifully – being a scribe and he descri- describes his girlfriend in a sexist way his um, girlfriend in a book that he wrote like seven years ago listen well you know what like i'm not that's not that's not something that's gonna keep me up at night i'm so sorry yeah well you just got you just ki- got kicked out of the slack apple uh <laughs> community because that's where all of this went down and then they all leaked it to the verge slack then- is a slack slack is a monstrous company that's what we learned in 2020, whatever the frick this year is. Whatever this year is, we learned Slack is terrible. Slack is bad for people. It's bad for companies. The only person Slack is good for is Max Tanny. The, um. <laughs> right, the media's the, the media reporter at the Daily Beast who dogged Slack reporter. Yeah, Slack Slack's leaked to him so he can help help cancel people, independent of whatever Max's particular view. Who on is it a fantastic is. reporter, and right. I think we I think we should hire him. I think we should hire Max Tanny. I've been on record saying that so many times, if only so he can cover some other companies <laughs> other than the New York Times. Yeah, I mean the New York Times dominates the media beat, like. I mean, it's a headache, probably. You guys should just have all the top ones. I mean, you hired Ben Smith. I mean, that's... That, that was helpful, true. Yeah. We're taking them out one by one. Now that I work at a place where people <laughs> leak the slacks from, I find it to be a strange uh, posture. To have. It's like, oh, this is probably getting out there. I just don't imagine how mad I could be at somebody. Yeah, like, I, I would never be so mad that I'd be like, you know what, fucker? I'm going to screenshot your slack. <laughs> the Chaos Monkeys guy. I mean, the other thing... And this has been said, but the Chaos Monkeys guy, you know, is probably has a more reach now. He has a sub stack. He's totally in the opinion game. Whereas if he was at Apple, he would have not been out there with like the views these people hate. Like it, it's sort of the, you know, reaction causes equal and opposite reaction. Are he, are he and the girlfriend still together? I don't I don't think they were together at the time. Probably not. I don't think I don't think so. Yeah, okay. So, and have you ever 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 before heard of a sexist man dating a woman? Has that ever happened before? <laughs> I hope not. Oh my god. <laughs> I mean, obviously I know nothing about the actual conjuring. How else do they get girlfriends? That's, that's, that's part of I, negging. You got to I know nothing. I know nothing about the actual controversy. So somebody's going to be like, "Well, Katie, actually it wasn't about the fact that he was saying sexist things about his girlfriend. It's about the fact that he he was, you know, he was burying bodies in his backyard." And then I will feel bad because that, my friends, that is illegal. But right. if I'm, I the the yeah, idea well, I'm not going to um, dig into that. Yeah. Well, look. If if our listeners have a problem with that, this is Katie's fault. She can be the one canceled on it. She. she I am she, complaining she, about Tom's description. <laughs> Katie's like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm right. fine if someone gets canceled. When really the reason they're getting canceled is for not the thing that's being said publicly. Right. That's a position you and you alone subscribe to. You're like, you're like real politic of uh, cancellation. Like it doesn't matter. I just have no idea what was, I don't know what was said publicly. I think that Tom's description of what was said publicly sounds very silly to me because I, I, I guess like he just, if he were the only sexist person to ever get a girlfriend and then describe her like an asshole. Wow. Right. Wow. Well, anyway. Yeah. Next. 
You can tell I've also covered finance. Yeah, uh, LinkedIn data shows Austin is the top beneficiary of tech-related migration in the past 12 months, followed by Nashville. Miami was number 11 by net migration rate. Yeah, but that Miami seem is right. still the story of the year. Definitely not Austin. Well, Miami began at the end of last year. This I remember well, that that the whole Miami as the siphon of Silicon Valley talent uh, was like a December 2020 thing. Uh, it continued on through this year. I think maybe it's still going on. I unfollowed all of the really? Miami people on people Twitter. People are so still I, in Miami. So funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like the San Francisco, the Silicon Valley dispersion, uh, you know, San Francisco's supposed downfall as the capital of tech. That has that that has been a big story this year. The, the Miami Herald e- emailed me to ask me for my take on Miami. Oh, my goodness. You are being asked for your takes now? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a pundit. Excellent. Now. Uh-huh. I said Miami definitely captured the Silicon Valley zeitgeist this year, even if the date. Ah, uh, this is too. I don't want to read myself. I can't. Do <laughs> well, don't don't scoop yourself, Eric. Yeah. I don't know if they're ever going to run uh, it. They probably they probably emailed you because you were bitching about public transit. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I just I I replied like instantaneously, like any good pundit. <laughs> you know, that's that's how you become a dial a quote, folks. As soon as someone asks you, just fire off. You don't look for data. You don't think about it. You just write an email right away. I love those people. Exactly. I de- right. I depend on those people. You can tell their reporters were working hard. They're like, this guy looks like he'll talk about fucking anything. Right. You, you should oh, have God. some completely wrongheaded, like com- you just have no knowledge of Miami infrastructure and be like, I think it should be more tunnels in Miami, more and deeper tunnels. <laughs> It seems it seems a major oversight by the Miami Chamber of Commerce to not invest in hyperloops everywhere. Okay, so that was that was a, a big story, and um, but not Austin. Austin, not I mean, Austin, who cares no. about the data? It's sort of <laughs> it's whoever's loudest on Twitter shaping the narrative. This is about like the narratives of 2021, and definitely the Miami people own the Austin people, which makes it more pathetic for the Austin people if they actually had data on their side. So they need to be better about their propaganda. I really, I think New York is going to come out the best of this, but I, I live in New York. That was a, that was a thing too. There were people that were moving to New York that talked a lot about that um, as the reasonable alternative to Silicon Valley. Uh, I have no thoughts. Um, so, oh, June, I got some good ones. Um, interviews with around 200 people show how, Am- this was a New York Times investigation, uh, 200 people at Amazon's warehouse employment system understrained before the pandemic burned through workers and created huge confusion. Um, there were a couple of great stories that the Times put out around then about the treatment of Amazon warehouse workers in, I think, New Jersey. And that was before the tornado and people died. Yeah, this right. is, I mean, Amazon yeah. is such a huge employer. I do not, not to give them any defense on this, but there is a degree to which just the scale, uh, at which they're employing people creates so much, you know, so much bureaucracy and problems and negative stories. Well, I think that, I mean, we're still, I don't know what the latest polling shows. I assume public sentiment is still strongly in favor of Amazon, but it must have turned a bit this year. Like the numbers have to be sinking. I mean, I mean, but the thing is Amazon also drives up wages in a lot of places that it enters. You know, there, there is definitely a case that regular American, both for the products and for the jobs in some cases, likes Amazon. I mean, the flip side is Amazon Seems to churn through a lot of people, so maybe I don't know. Yeah, we need data. But they seem Katie, to Katie, want to. Did you to. test positive, or you look depressed? Or? <laughs> uh, Amazon was a huge story. Amazon's working condition. I mean, Amazon's yeah. working conditions. Right, that's not going to go away. Did Jeff Bezos change? Yeah, that happened this year. So I missed um, that one too. That he stepped down, or announced he was stepping down. 
That's huge. Is it though? I mean, it's, I mean, obviously like Andy Jassy, he'll get a couple profiles written about him and people are starting to source up and figure out how to characterize him as a tech personality, but it is amazing. People don't seem to have like, I have no idea what the Andy Jassy narrative is. I mean, there've been interesting pieces written, you know, ruthless, nice ish guy is the vibe I, I typically get. But, um, yeah, it's I mean, as long as Bezos is sitting there as the executive chairman, it'll be hard for it to be his company. And and I think in the public, just because Bezos is the second richest person in the world, I think people like any random person you ask, and you're like, who's the head of Amazon? They'll say Jeff Bezos. You got to really be in the know. Right. And even if you are, then the clever take could still be Jeff right. Bezos. So, yeah. Um, Disney was similar for a while with Iger as chairman and, you know, no one really has thoughts about Bob Chapek. Uh, anyway, so, uh, this was mid June. Also, Andreessen Horowitz launches future, a media property that will focus on informational and editorial content created by full-time staff and outside contributors. So that was a whole thing for like a week or so, like the creation of the Andreessen media site. And the fact that it was going to disintermediate uh, us. Well, yeah, I mean, and it was one of my biggest stories of the year talking about. I mean, it was my biggest story. So what happened to it? Does anyone read this thing? No, I just, I mean, you know, sometimes I'll, you know, if you put a URL into Twitter, you can sort of see what the engagement is. It doesn't feel like it's, it's definitely not penetrating my conversations. And I don't see the sort of typical piece getting a ton of engagement. I mean, I, I do think just like, the mandate, writing about the future limits, you know, people are very interested in the present. And there's a reason that the media investigates things and asks how things are going, not just sort of opines about the future. So, I mean, I think they're still figuring out how their editorial voice connects with an audience. Do you think it needs to be widely read for it to be successful? I mean, I guess my one take on it at this point, or my one perspective on it is that the media overreacted to what they were trying to do, that there was this idea that there was going to be a war. No, but I do think they want, like, they set themselves up for being good at this. I mean, they, I really do think like Margaret was shifting her focus to editorial. Like, I mean, that's all true. They want to, they take it very personally. So I think they want to succeed. Right. Certainly, by the standards of a venture firm, they're good at what they do. I mean, I love their blog posts about their companies. Like, people listen to their podcast. I don't, but... Right, right. Um, okay, so that that was a thing in uh, in June. And then moving to July, Robinhood files for long-awaited IPO, says it will set aside 35% of shares for retail investors. We've kind of talked a bit about Robinhood already. Yeah, Robinhood, I mean, that gets... I think that's up there with Clubhouse. I mean, in story of the year, because it captures the meme stock, sort of hypey IPO that sort of took a dive. It's it's dabbling in crypto. It does a lot of Dogecoin. Mm-hmm. You know, big regulatory questions with a slow SEC. All right, let's let's keep moving through. Um, so we talked about Robinhood while you were out, Katie. That's fine. Good candidate. Robinhood as, <laughs> as a big story of 2021. Yeah, it, I'm looking for a story that like grabs a bunch of the themes at once. Okay, well, here's, here's a, an interesting one on that because it's from August 1st. Many viewers are experiencing the Olympics primarily through TikTok with some of the most watched videos not coming from NBC, but from the athletes themselves. Did the Olympics happen this year? Yeah, so that's part of it. Like <laughs> I didn't remember that at all. <laughs> 
Uh, I, I didn't I watch it. I Which it was one? 2020. It was like the Olympics with no audience because Japan was dealing with it. Summer Olympics. Yeah. That was wow. this summer? Yeah, because they postponed it from 2020. I feel like we're going to post this and people are going to be like, none of those things you talked about happened this year. Like, I, I do <laughs> find some of it really sincerely, not just as a put on. I'm just like, gaslighting you guys all. Hard to believe that it happened this year. This is very... I'm turning to the internet right now. There was an Olympics in Japan this summer while well, I was in Maine. There was an Olympics in Japan. There was skateboarding in it. Michael Phelps did not participate. Uh, what else happened in this Olympics? But this year is 2021. Yeah, because they postponed it from 2020 because we were all Fuck, inside. Fuck, you're right. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah, there were, but there were like just family in the audience. It was It was haunting. It was a nightmare. They did it, but Japan was dealing with its worth. Oh, it's so weird. Yeah, yeah I mean- what a, that's a perfect one to gaslight us with also because it's they're supposed True. to be in 2020 but then they're postponed yes the date is still the 2020 olympics right. too when you look at it online it's the japan 2020 olympics right. in 2021 well, that's, yeah i mean that's just really jamming your system so they're just like telling you over and over again welcome to 2021 showing of the 2020 olympics live <laughs> Now that's a glitch in the simulation. That's like a yeah. f up. Somebody's yeah. gonna go clean. Someone has to go in and edit that. No, there were probably a percentage of people that had like strokes every time that logo came up because they probably oh. called it the 2020 Olympics. So bizarre. <laughs> that sucks. I don't remember anything from it. I didn't oh, watch yeah. it. This Olympics totally fell apart. Like, <laughs> okay, the the fact that we all got the like you know Matrix glitching Olympics is one thing, but also that it was experienced through TikTok, which you know the the rise of TikTok and how it's infected. Both of you, not me, <laughs> has been a huge story this Definitely. year. Ah, uh, yeah, it's destroyed me. It's huge in music. It's huge in music and culture. Well, yeah, but it almost—it feels. I mean, it hasn't brought down the government yet, but right. like, you know, like Rosa recently TikTok assimilated to our culture much better. It wasn't like, but the TikTok like... meme as a threat became a big story in 2021. I just know this via. I mean, know, it's lit- definitely a threat to our mental well-being. <laughs> right. No, but also there's now the story, you know, the stories will come out about like, oh, this TikTok meme is, you know, this school had to shut down. So the, uh, last week there was a story about TikTok meme being like, you know, National School Shooter Day or something, sure. um, which I don't believe turned out to be true. Not that there weren't school shooters, but that there was like a trending uh, TikTok meme with that. Uh, but there was uh, another story similar to that a few months earlier, which was like National Slap a Teacher Day. Uh, which was there again, it was apocryphal, but there but was YouTube had these things before. I mean, Tide Pods. No, none of it's new. I'm not saying it's it's unique to TikTok. I'm just saying that as a company and as a piece of technology and a medium, it now crossed into the this thing that your kids are on isn't just a distraction and annoying, it's a threat. And it's a place where they're gonna organize. And it happens with every social media platform. It happened with Snapchat too. There's like, oh, bullying is taking place on Snapchat. So, so that it seems like 2020 was the year that TikTok kind of became. It entered that phase of its life. 2021 was. Yeah, 2020 okay. became huge, right? Because we were, you know, that right, was the first right. year we were traps. We right. were watching people dance to Megan The Stallion. And then next next year for TikTok is it gets more criticism. It's big. It's like. I mean, obviously, the Wall Street Journal is already investigating it, but right. Well, next year will be like the I don't know the TikTok midterms or something. I don't know. Oh God, I disagree that TikTok would be the story of 2021 because I feel like it mostly is the same thing as like teens do crazy thing, and TikTok itself isn't really doing that much to amplify it. 
it's just very good at discovery and makes it easier to like come to this stuff. But I I don't see it as like a game changer. I mean, that's 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 tech in general. <laughs> yeah. And I, I see TikTok generally as being pretty pro moderation and wanting to keep right a glossy image. So maybe they fuck up a few things. Have you been talking to your friends at Sequoia? <laughs> 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 no, this is no. I mean, sincerely, I they, I don't get on the. I wish the Chinese. Uh, I I don't talk to the Chinese Sequoia people very much, and uh, they're pretty distinct firms. So that was TikTok. Uh, so September fifteenth. Here's the first Facebook piece here. Internal documents. Facebook's own research found that a 2018 change to encourage positive interactions had the opposite effect. Zuckerberg resisted any fixes. So that's the one you know Facebook paper story that I pulled from this. Obviously, that's one of the biggest stories of the year. We've talked about it too much on the show. We're having Deep on yeah. for our next episode. Okay, I want to talk about it when Deep is on. One more time. You don't want to hear what Eric and I and you have to say about it, is what you're saying. We're going to solve this Facebook issue. We're going to yep. really... First yep. of all, she's going to tell us why this stuff all mattered when we've become Facebook nihilists at this point. And <laughs> I don't know. Save it. Save it. I only have so much left to me on Facebook. Uh, after being sued by the state of California, Activision Blizzard is sued by a group of representing employees allegedly to try to prevent them from organizing. I mean, that story is not really about the thing that the Activision Blizzard story became, which was the, you know, apparent sexual assaults that happened at that company and uh, Bobby Kotick's knowledge of it. Is Bobby Kotick right. still the CEO of that company? Yeah. Yeah, he's not been pushed out yet. Amazing. Amazing. What, people were basically saying it was like a sure thing he'd lose his job over that. I mean, that's about as close. Yeah, I don't I don't get it. It doesn't make sense to me. But a, a, a good example, we talked about this a bit last week with, uh, with Richard, but like if Activision was in a different sector that the broader public cared more about, this would be a way huger story. Like right. the CEO of the company was aware of like uh, rapes that happened on company time. Allegedly. Yeah. And I was like, you better fact check that. Like allegedly. This is this is what other people are reporting. So that was the Activision one. October Senators grilled Facebook exec Antigone Davis about Instagram's impact on teens. So that's more of that, you know, Facebook paper story. Oh, October 15th, Twitch downplays last week's hack, said it had minimal impact. Twitch had a huge fucking hack this year that no one's talking about anymore. But it was the worst hack in the company's history. And that's another example of a social network, whatever you want to call it, that doesn't get nearly the level of coverage it deserves considering how central it is to so many right. people's lives. Uh, and I don't know what the outcome of it is. Yeah, it was huge. Didn't like the the like core technology got hacked to the, yeah. the level somebody could have copied the whole thing. Yeah. I, I don't remember the specifics of it. I'm numbed hacks. You know, like I... Yeah. I, I, I I, yeah, I don't know what even to... I mean, the most hat-carrying person on the podcast right now is uh, on a phone call, so... <laughs> but, <laughs> but we've already talked about hacks. November 1st, this is from uh, Mark Gurman. Chip shortage hits Apple at the worst possible time ahead of the holidays, and Meta and Apple are set to be... That's the story of the year, not being able to get right. a PlayStation 5. I don't know how we didn't right. open that up. The fact that uh, these next-generation systems are out, I can't even buy one of them with my hard-earned money and then inflation's probably going to end up dry. I, yeah, that's the story of the year right there. Right, like, right. What our, our capitalist system is failing, the consumerism that this whole thing was built on, and our moment of need when we're having to go back into the pandemic that I am playing mobile games is just... Right. 
a big problem. No, my PS4, I'm tired of it. I wanted a PS5. I'm not even looking anymore to see when it's an option to get. Oh yeah, I've given up. And and all 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 these stories about like that that one reporter who's made his whole career now just like helping people find uh, the console consoles. He's like the biggest reporter of the year, you know. Oh, I missed this. Who's that? Yeah, he's been profiled in like the New York Times and BuzzFeed. Celebrities like DM this guy asking him like how they can <laughs> get their hands on a PlayStation Five. That's like, desperate. This is the guy, you know. Like, uh, I mean, it hasn't been like you don't when it, when you don't, like the the chattering classes obviously don't like sit around uh, talking about it too much. If they really wanted one, they have the money. Maybe to pay for it, uh, you'd have to pay like double. I don't know. I mean, just double? That's surprisingly small. But yeah, I, I mean, refuse on principle. Even if, I feel like even if I had unlimited money, I mean, if I had unlimited, but like I'd have to be pretty rich to just pay double the price something's worth at what should be a findable. I don't know. I'm disconnected from the person who's willing to just be like, whatever, I'll bu- I'll buy it. A, yeah, a double, a double I'm, price. I'm not that guy. But yeah, our, our the, the capitalist supply chain uh, hit a snag this year. And that to me, the, the reason the story was good, not the ports. And the ship. You're not with the Did ports. Did you talk about the ship? Is that on your list? It's not on there, but that's, our, that's our entry stuck. point into it. Yeah, oh, yeah. The ship. Well, that wasn't going to come up on tech meme. I mean, I don't know what the tech angle is there. Right, I know. But I, I do think that's another way that like not being able to get our consoles fits in. I mean, the general supply chain breakdown. I mean, that ship was just too fat for what our <laughs> infrastructure allows for. It was, it was like a gust, you know, it was the, I don't think it was the captain's fault. It was sort of like weather conditions. It wasn't the, the, the moon, I think it was the moon's fault, but, <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, look, the supply chain, that became a thing that people were talking about this year, which is not a good sign ever for capitalism when people are starting to think about like the sausage parts. Uh, and, um, yeah, I mean, we had Ryan, what's his name from Flexport? Peterson. Yep, Peterson him. Yep. Uh, becoming a mini celebrity because he took a tour of the port of Long Beach and was like, the, why don't we stack the shipping containers on top of each <laughs> other? And he got like 20 million retweets. And the mayor of Long Beach was like, yeah, let's do that. Um, I, I've always wanted to with that story. I mean, I, I like Ryan, so I don't want to I don't want to knock him uh, for it at all. And, you know, he's just he's just a man out there, you know, throwing out ideas. But like. I would be interested in better coverage of that particular episode because I would bet <laughs> there are people in the supply chain world that are just like, dude, that had nothing to do with it. <laughs> like, like first of all, that wouldn't have had any normal effect on the supply chain in the way that it would have changed all the problems that we have. And like, this is just very... I, I would like to know factually. I mean, I'm... Yeah, this seemed, it just seemed like a dilettante kind of like... It's hard not to cheer for Ryan. I mean, he's the right. ultimate sort of just like, do it, make it happen. But there is... yeah. I mean, I think we both, um, yeah, the world's often not that simple. Like, usually there aren't sort of easy solutions that can change things. Right. There are Um, lots of people who spend their entire careers working on these particular things and trying to make, you know, like, grease the gears of capitalism in the supply chain that I just think... It, it just strikes me that often in tech, people think like, oh, an outsider's perspective is really going to shake things up. And it's like, no... There's a lot more to it than that. On the flip side, I mean, I don't, I actually, I'm on, I'm on the tech side of this. I mean, at the end of the day, Elon Musk is running a very successful like space program. I mean, the most impressive logistics comes from Amazon. You know, at the end of the day, the sort of we can fix it sort of private sector mentality is better than the government. And, and, and I mean, yeah, so no, I believe in Ryan. 
more than okay. my intuitions about the world. I'm not, I'm not going to be anti-Ryan. I just think that episode could have been more uh, investigated rather than just um, quote, quote tweeting him. Another, this is a good topic, yeah. but it should be its own yeah. episode. I, I, I yeah. like the topic. Yeah. November 15th, a look at Constitution DAO or DAO. Uh, which Dow. is taken in three million constitution Dow, which is taken in three million in crypto and bid it for the U.S. Constitution, um, printed in 1787. That's part of the headline, but I, I don't think con. I mean, that was good because the finance guy. That was a fun story. The Citadel guy beat them out, right. and it seemed I saw a story that said his like son texted him, "Dad, you gotta like win." Yes, yeah, I saw the headline. I mean, it's classic yeah. like big money beats you know the little guy. Uh, old school finance versus uh, it's Ken Griffin at Citadel. Uh, right. Old school finance beats you know the the NFT world. I, that's it's not political. Yeah, I like that one. Yeah, look the specifics around constitutional DAO. Like that was a four day story. It was kind of fun. I don't know what the larger meaning of it was. Right. But I, I I don't know the Constitution DAO. I like it just because. Yeah. Oh, I know. I just liked it because. What will clearly become a theme next year is the widening of stances of the pro and against uh, Web3, crypto, whatever you want to call it. That like people are more and more entrenched or getting more and more entrenched in their perspective on whether or not this is real or this is a scam or a Ponzi or whatever. And I think you really saw it come into the mainstream in a way it hadn't in, in 2021. That's why I liked it on there. Yeah, no, I mean, that's a great one. I'm trying to think of a better NFT sort of one. And I, I mean, the problem is some of the stuff is just like, oh, the price is sort, but like crypto punks are old, you know, they, they've been around for a couple of years. I mean, it's, there, there are any number of stories. There was no one single one that I think like rocked, you know, the, the markets or, or people individually, uh, but that'll probably come. But this was, I mean, this was just like a fun couple day episode. That's a good one. Uh, and then December 1st, we got Kevin Roos in his column at the at the Times that I liked. Uh, Jack Dorsey joins other tech leaders who seem to have grown tired of managing their own platforms, meeting creating political controversy and hard-to-fix problems. So that's, you know, the Dorsey stepping down from Twitter thing. Uh, and generally, like, tech leaders retreating into, you know, the metaverse or other kind of future projects that are uh, further removed. You know, it's Dr. Manhattan going off to the moon. Yeah, wait, so did... Jeff Bezos announced last year and did the step. No, he announced this year. I think it all happened this year. Okay, so we've got Jeff Bezos. We've got Mark Zuckerberg renaming the company and right. Jack Dorsey leaving Twitter. Right. Yeah, I, I do think that's a good candidate, sort of the sort of reimagining, restructuring of the biggest tech companies with so that these these guys can think about sort of more fun stuff and not right social media moderation and yeah uh, and whatever cloud services yeah i mean it, it's yeah for bezos i can get it because amazon is an increasingly political animal i mean it's like it's it's a punching bag now and that's going to be less fun for him he doesn't want to have to be hauled in front of and it's also just bad for the company because he's a target you know what i mean right yeah he's a celebrity because if you can personify it it's much it's much more powerful. Yeah, and and my bet is that there is a probably a gulf between the way people feel about Jeff Bezos and the way they feel about Amazon. Like they like getting their packages delivered in two days. Um, they like the what it may be some of the shows on Amazon Prime, but they think Bezos is bad for the generalized reason they don't like 
billionaires. Um, and so, yeah, that isn't fun for him. But yeah, I, I think like the tech backlash, whatever you want to call it, hit a point this year that I think it really did start affecting the, the CEOs and they made changes um, to deal with that. You sort of saw like the online discourse uh, becoming reality. Um, that's near the end. I mean, the last thing I have here uh, is leaked memo. Google tells employees they must comply with vaccine policies by Jan 18th or lose pay and eventually be fired. Um, I don't know. I just sort of included that one because mm. uh, no one knows. I feel like vaccine mandates are. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, the vaccine mandate is its own thing. I don't think it's gonna be that much of a problem in tech. But um, but uh, just the fact that we end this year completely unclear as to when life will return to anything close to normal. Uh, everyone's living in a panic. The vaccine works. The vaccine works. I mean, I feel fine. We're pro-vax here. Uh, not just pro undersells it. Like, I mean, is there <laughs> any you, ambiguity to that? Like, I don't know. I mean, did you see Trump, by the way, say that he got a booster? Uh, he was being interviewed by Bill O'Reilly and he got a booster and then people started booing. <laughs> I, I mean, like, there's no real controlling that crowd at this point. You know, yeah. it's like, you let him. Isn't that supposed to be his specialty? Like how he lost that? Because he's afraid of them. He Like they're, they're terrified of these people at a certain level. You know, right. it's like it's one thing you, you can whip people up into a frenzy to get elected. But, you know, that's a certain level of. I do think like. The case against Constitution Dow or NFT stuff being the biggest story of the year is just. It doesn't have like a political component, which would broaden it. I do think the Robin Hood, the meme stocks, there's such a political, there's still like a, the regular guy and sort of the don't trust authority. Uh, we can, I don't know, that ha- that has that strain. I do, I Clubhouse, obviously most Americans, I, most Americans have no idea what Clubhouse is. So right. in a, in a sort of broad sense, it is in no way the story of the year, but as a framing device for people in Silicon Valley for what happened this year, I, I think it's interesting. Also, because there's a strong promise that it won't be a story of 2022. So it does make 2021 feel sort of stand on its own. I don't, I don't know what you're thinking at the moment. Clubhouse specifically? I mean... Just Clubhouse is a narrative. I mean, Clubhouse is like represent. I mean, they could have sold to Twitter, right? I mean, that was... There was a point in time where they could have offloaded this thing. But not as a business. I mean, as a business, yeah. I mean, even if it sold for $4 billion, like who cares about that? I think just the idea that like, for a moment, it felt like... It was almost like pre-metaverse or it was like... How do we all right. live online together in, right. the, in the lockdown? I can I can follow that logic. If we're going to view Clubhouse as a metaphor for this increasing reality that we need to connect, we're going to be connecting virtually uh, as a matter of safety and habit. I don't know if Clubhouse itself is the best version of that, but there's clearly a bet on the t- you know from from the top down in tech that the future is going to be some sort of virtual interaction with people. And, and that's normal. Um, and although, like we've talked about on the show, I don't think, like, we're not there yet. And there's a huge amount of drawbacks that should we ever return to normal, I just don't think is going to be as big as people expect it to be, at least unless it gets way cooler, which it clearly isn't yet. Um, but, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I, it came into a point where it's being widely discussed and there's a huge amount of money put into it. Uh, I'm not that psyched for it. Uh, I saw like there's some analyst report over the weekend that said that like Apple's AR device is going to come out as soon as next year. And people are getting hyped about that. 
Uh, I'm first of all, I'd be surprised if it does come out next year, and I'd be fully prepared for it to suck. Uh, to me, I mean, the metaverse is just a matter of timing. I mean, I don't know that we'll be in there. I've made the argument. My strong position that I have not wavered from is just the metaverse just has to be better than work. Where I do think we're going to be mostly remote at work. People are going to need a place to collaborate that's better than just like going from browser to browser. That that will happen. That will be the metaverse. And people already spend hours a day on gaming. Will instead of operating systems, we have sort of a connecting universe between games, I think very likely. And then framing it as a debate between inside or outside is a total mistake, given we already spend tons of time in front of screens and the metaverse just needs to replace a subsection of that time. And the, qu- the question is just when a single company or entity can sort of build that, how it works out technologically, and whether the graphics and then obviously the interface. So there are lots of questions. Thank God you saved us from this. I'm like, oh, Tiger Global is the story. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was. We can, you know, you can have Kate Clark on here. You guys can battle it out. <laughs> Listen, 2020, wait, uh, 2020 was, you know, the year of SoftBank and 2021 was the year of Tiger Global. And that's how every American clearly organizes uh the world from year to year. Right. No, I, I can't wait to go see my parents in a couple of days and talk about Tiger with them. <laughs> and whether, you know, do, should they be investing alongside SoftBank or are they, you know? No, the, see, you know, it's like, should, how, can they really do Series A? What what right. happens if like, if, if Tiger is not willing to sort of steward these companies as like a sort of a board member, then are they just relying on their early investors to supervise them? Uh, are they only getting in the... You know, the B and C tier companies because the A tier companies still, you know, we, you know, what's sad is that we're probably more qualified to talk about that than we are about the metaverse. Oh yeah. That's, that's my real job. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, not really mine, but, right. uh, but definitely not the metaverse. So I have no business, uh, spouting off on it, but I, I guess we sort of end the year in a place arguably worse off than we were at the start. We have back va- now, you know, what? I take that back. We have vaccines. We're just looking at the news and seeing a line going vertical, uh, and it get, and it gets us scared. And the thing we thought wasn't going to happen, or we hoped wasn't going to happen, Eric got COVID. Looking into 2022, CES looks like it's happening, but no one will attend, so it'll just be like the best CES ever. Right, a theoretical CES. <laughs> Just, I don't know. That's that's going to be haunting. But um, I'm trying to think, like, of, of the stuff that happened this year, what we could even begin to predict uh, will be the case in, in 22. I don't know, Eric, where, where are you? Like, is, is Substack going to pull more writers away from, from their their media company homes? Is that on its way up still? Or has it has it maxed out and it's now just uh, going to be? Well, I think the, the sort of ankler, like, building bigger media companies is an interesting theme. I mean, I assume Iglesias, Matt Iglesias, will keep sort of expanding his empire. Um, I, I just don't think, I mean, sure, it's a media story, but I think it's a small, small yeah. story. I mean, the broadening would be sort of, I mean, I, I do think, you know, more visibility into how many like solo entrepreneurs there are in the economy overall and how that's affected the workplace. I mean, that's that's a huge theme. I mean, to me, I guess my first question would just be like, how how big? I mean, we're in exponential growth right now of the pandemic. Like, if this holds, you know, all of a sudden, like, 
the Instacarts and everybody, you know, is getting a second wind and like the Airbnbs who are happy for people to travel get hurt. So I do think there's like, is this a whole nother sort of pandemic period? Um, if that were the case, you know, that would have big effects. I'm sort of skeptical. Right. Uh, I, I think we're going to go back to normal pretty quickly, uh, second half of January or whatever, as a total non-EP. Just, just knowing people's willingness to like do this. Um, so in that case, I don't know. I think, I, I, to me, my bullish prediction is still like crypto, crypto, you know, just like crazy, crazy excitement there. There's just, so the funds getting raised are so big that there's money that's going to keep that show going. Even if the prices fall, I think there's just a ton. I think it'll be a crypto year. Yeah, and I guess the ongoing battle or maybe fake battles, kayfabe between Web 2 and Web 3 will we'll kick into a higher gear or something. I don't know. It doesn't really seem they're really sides in any of this. I, I don't know. I don't want to spend too much time on that, but it's like... <laughs> yeah, these just feel like ancient grudges that are being dredged up by uh, the topic of crypto. <laughs> yeah, they're all friends. Right. They're all friends. I mean, obviously there's... Some year will be the year of implosion, right? Like, I mean, we are seeing like these big executives sell off a lot of their holdings, if we had a big correction, thanks to, you know, Keith uh, Raboy was saying, you know, I think we're at a top. I mean, if interest rates go up and that really hurts, you know, the economy and the stock market fell, then it could be the year of, you know, the Rivian sort of Tesla reckoning, which would be a huge story, right? If we saw the enthusiasm come out of some of the electric car makers and a self-driving cars and all. And and we haven't really felt like the true pains of like a SPAC implosion. I keep saying in the newsletter that I'm bullish now because most of the time the economy goes up. So it's a bad prediction game to say, oh, next year will be the reckoning. But obviously, whatever year the reckoning comes will be a big story, I think, of of the electric automakers um, whenever that happens. I, I, I generally dislike predictions. That said, I think that before we can have that kind of reckoning, we almost need more exuberance, uh, which we didn't get in 2021. <laughs> not, ju- not just because everybody was clinically depressed. Sorry, this should be more fun. Like, if this is the peak, why isn't it, like, wildly awesome yet? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't mean, like... I, I mean irrational exuberance in the in in the way that like an economist would use it. NFTs aren't doing that for you, but that's but so I I remember in the mortgage market in two thousand six, right and seven, people were like, "This is crazy," but it really took a year of absolute insanity, like beyond what people could have imagined. So much so that it silenced doubters because it was so insane. That's the kind of exuberance I'm talking about. I'm talking about like Robert Schiller level irrational exuberance in a market. Buying crypto punks for millions of dollars. But those are things that are still not part of the those right. that's not part of the broad economy. Right. So what irrational exuberance, if you're an economist, irrational exuberance is when it isn't just a niche of professional speculators, but when everybody becomes a professional speculator. Right. 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 It's like it's like a a, a load bearing beam collapses, right. not just like, you know, your weird ADR. Yeah. So, so that's why we haven't, for example, seen the impact of a SPAC explosion because 
mom and pop aren't in snacks really. So when it's just the professional investing classes getting hurt. <laughs> right. It's the beauty of wealth inequality that there's just so much money that like without destroying the economy, they can just wildly speculate and lose money. Say the the prediction would be that we need sort of, it's sort of twinned with this. I think that we will learn to live with the pandemic, even if it's living unhappily with it. That doesn't mean we'll be happy. We will learn to live with the pandemic in some way. And then out of that, I think there's going to be like an amount of escapism that is really intense and that will impact markets, will impact behavior in a lot of ways. And that's when we're going to get that irrational exuberism because you need the irrational exuberism for a collapse to impact people broadly. So 2022 is the real fun year for 2023 being sort of a crash. <laughs> right. I'm not going to put it, I'm not going to put months on it. I'm just saying that I don't think we hit the irrational exuberance level yet because not enough people are involved in the speculative economy. Right. No, it's always why I've been sort of unexcited by the predictions of a bubble bursting, because I just don't think there's enough of the structure of the economy that really makes for, you know, like the bus to happen to, to be there yet for me to see like, oh, this fallout is going to be huge rather than, totally. you know, little, little implosions that happen across the landscape. Um, totally. I, my prediction, and I guess this is just going to come from like where I spend a lot of my time reporting. I think there will be more interesting things happening on the labor front within a lot of these gig companies than we have expected in a while. And I know I've been down on it. Wow. Yeah, that's total reverse. I don't think it's going to come from the ground up. I genuinely think there is not enough uh, collective action and organization on the part of drivers to do anything. But I think all the stuff that's happening in Europe uh, uh, with the forcing of protections and some form of like proto unions on the part of these gig companies uh, that it's going to like infiltrate the U.S. political scene. And you're going to see a lot of politicians pushing for this on like a federal or national level. Uh, And that wouldn't surprise me if you start seeing like the Biden administration and the lead up to like a midterm being like, let's fuck some stuff up and like force uh, you know, like through executive action, union like protections uh, within a, a lot of these gig companies. Oh yeah, that's a good prediction. Just the the regulatory regime finally really fires up. I mean, part of it on antitrust, we're seeing what Europe didn't Europe come down on Giphy with Facebook? Yeah, right. They're they're yeah they're they're nervous about all of that. But so so to expand that, just like labor, like Europe having this driver's seat position around sort of tech regulation, and then sort of the Biden administration looking for... But specifically around unions, too. And, and like, we've seen when it comes to tech that Europe is usually out ahead of the curve when it comes to, like, you know, privacy, for example. Like, they set more rigorous, you could argue good or not good, standards on it. Um, and I just think, like, when you've seen a successful labor movements happening this last year with, like, the Kellogg strike, with the John Deere strike... Um, I'm not saying that there is a real wave happening here, but I do think that politicians view it as a winning issue um, and that it wouldn't surprise me. I would actually, no, let me go further. I think it would be more likely than not to happen that you see someone within the Biden administration or on a, on a you know, national political level champion this cause and, and suddenly the, you know, these gig companies have to deal with it again. It'll be interesting too, because if there is some sort of downturn, the kind of downturn that Eric's talking about. I'm not predicting. I agree with you. I to be clear, you're and and I would take my cues from you before myself about the natural rhythms of the economy. But no, but 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 someday it will come. But the exuberance does lead to a downturn that impacts a lot of people. And so if this sort of labor movement is not in place, if there is nothing for the people who 
will be negatively impacted who don't have a ginormous war chest of capital to make it nothing but a mere inconvenience, you know, it will have really interesting ramifications politically. Right. Right. I guess that's it. But the but the net is we think 2022 will still be a boom year. Listen, if we're not all at zero bond with the incoming mayor, like <laughs> then then the irrational exuberance hasn't happened. <laughs> I know. I can't believe I didn't vote. I had so many places I could have voted for Eric Adams. You had so many chances. And I didn't vote for him at all. And now I'm like <laughs> the biggest booster. I'm like, this is going to be the best time. Like, Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, you know, unless all of lower Manhattan looks like Studio 54. Yeah, 2022 is the year of fun mayors. We've got a a fun mayor in San Francisco, too. She's like going to concerts. She's like taking her mask off. She's like there was a reunion of (laughs) Belle Bib DeVoe or someone like that. It's a it's it's the year of fun mayors. (laughs) Well, I I do think there is a degree to which it's like people have also sort of like they're not afraid of like the, the alleged cancel culture to the extent it existed. I do think there is a degree to which politicians have now been like, uh, it's not that powerful. Right? You know, uh, when when Governor Northam wasn't taken out by the blackface incident, I think that was... He set, this, he set this mold. That was an early... That was the canary in the coal mine for cancel culture. It's like, you know what? So, so is this a hard year for Barry Weiss then? If like uh, cancel <laughs> culture is losing its, you know... Stop. She's building a university. Stop, stop. <laughs> That's true. That's true. She'll teach a course on us if we, if we speak out too much. You mean the show? <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, this is good. All right. Yeah. Anyway, thank you. Guys. We should end it in some like salutatory way. But uh, anyway, it was this was also 2021 was the year that we started Dead Cat and our lives will forever be changed. Uh, and I'm, <laughs> I've been so grateful to get to spend so much time with you guys uh, on this podcast, uh, something that I hadn't had a chance to do since you all moved away from San Francisco. So it's true. This sincerity feels very off brand to me. I don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. We can cut that. <laughs> we've we've argued we've argued more on this podcast than we ever did in real life which is hilarious to me well that's the new that's the metaverse baby it's not real life it's just like a, a simulacrum but angrier <laughs> to a great 2022 see you guys all there bye happy new year everybody.